0: We have been uh, in this uh, series for a couple of weeks now. This, I believe. Hopefully, you've been thinking a little bit about. What you really believe what is the the, the bedrock that you're uh, building your your life on uh, I mean it's a pretty broad question what do I believe there's a whole lot of things we could we could talk about and and yet uh, what we believe really i mean it's it's the basis or the foundation of of what we do, how we live our lives uh, our beliefs and assumptions really uh, really uh, impact that so if we're not in in Intentionally thinking about uh, what we believe to be true, then we'll base our lives on things that that really don't make sense. And a couple weeks ago, we we started talking about uh, what I what I termed smorgasbord Christianity. Again, I'm probably going to mention that every week just because I like that word smorgasbord. But uh, and it also makes you hungry, and that's good. Uh, but. Uh, that's my term for what a lot of people do in their in their spiritual lives. It's going to that like going to that cafeteria restaurant, right? And you you're going down through the belief buffet, so to speak. And you're ah I'd like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and we, and we kind of put whatever we want on our spiritual split, uh, spiritual plate and we skip anything that maybe we don't want to uh, to believe. Maybe it's inconvenient or, or uh, we, we don't really want it. And so, uh, but but not believing something doesn't change the truth. Uh, the truth is the truth, whether we believe it or not. And so my goal with this series is, is that we'll nail down the truth and then live our lives based on those foundational beliefs. This is what I believe I'm going to base my life on that, so last week we looked at God. This is what I believe about God, right? And and although there's no way we could ever cover uh, everything that we believe about God, I, I think that that we got some pretty good uh, uh, fr- a pretty good start on it. We we talked about that God is is alive and personal. He's not just this force out there somewhere that's that's there to, to meet my needs or to uh, uh, to to do what I want him to do to control in in whatever way I want. But but God is personal, and uh, and and uh, we also uh, talked about. That God is love and that makes all the difference And that God is holy and, uh, and that makes all the difference And, and we experience God in, in three different ways right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit we, we, What I believe about God in, informs how I live Because God is all of those things We can have a relationship with him The problem is that the relationship has been broken So today... Let's talk about sin. Sound like fun? Well, maybe. Uh, a pastor once gave his, uh, his congregation homework one Sunday. At the end of his, his passage he said, in, in preparation for the, the message next week, I want you all to, uh, to read Mark chapter 17, come back next week and, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. And so the following Sunday uh, they all came back in and, and he said, uh, all right, uh, as we begin the, the sermon today, uh, tell me by a show of hands how many of you read Mark chapter 17. And the majority of the congregation raised their hands and he paused for a moment and then said, Mark has 16 chapters. Today I'd like to speak about the sin of lying. And then he jumped into his, uh, his, his message. I, I'm not trying to trick you today, there won't be any uh, tr- questions like that, but I, I think we all just need to admit right up front, pretty openly, I, I, I will ask you show, how many of you have ever sinned? It's almost unanimous. Some of you I need to talk to and see what your secret is. Um, I think it's safe to say that we have some experience with the topic, right? We uh, we, we may know a little bit about uh, what, what it's all. We, we may be a little shaky on what God says about sin, maybe, and, and how to deal with it. But at, at times, I think we might give ourselves a break, right? Well, my sin isn't as bad as that, or it's not all that, that big a deal uh, for me. Or at other times, we, we might think that, uh, man, I am a sinner, and I don't It's not possible to stop, and so it's not worth even trying, and uh, how could I ever be forgiven of fill-in-the-blank, uh, I live with guilt all the time, uh, so I think it's, it's an important topic to unpack as we think about what we believe and how we live based on those beliefs, what does God, what does the Bible say about sin? To do that, we need to start at the beginning, I've heard a song once, that's a very good place to start, right? Uh, We have to start with the first man, Adam, right? Adam was made by God's own word, uh, by God's own hand. Uh, Adam's life came from the very breath of God. He was created, Genesis says, in the image of God. He had everything he could ever want or need. He had an amazing garden in which to live. He had an awesome wife who incidentally at the time was the most beautiful woman in the world, right? Right? Let it settle in, okay. Uh, he, was, he was in charge of, of everything. Uh, they, he, uh, uh, he, he walked and talked, well, Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. Adam and Eve were created for relationship with God. Dr. Frank Moore said it this way, the crowning purpose of our existence is friendship with God. Billy Graham once preached, you were made for God's fellowship And to fulfill any other purpose is to fail to fulfill your destiny. Adam and Eve were created for relationship with God. You and I were created for that same relationship with God. Back in the beginning, Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. Uh, You and I can too, except for one thing. One thing has distorted the image of God in our lives and has broken fellowship with him. And it is that three-letter word, sin. And yet, there is there is hope uh, to restore that relationship. To be uh, as as you've no doubt heard, to be saved from from our sins. Uh, that that you, we we've used that term. Maybe it's a little bit antiquated, but uh, that, that maybe it's it's been in that maybe you haven't heard it. But but how, how can I be saved? Right? Scripture talks about being saved. What do we? Sa- we're saved from our sin and the consequences of that sin. And, and all of that is true because of Jesus. And we talked last week just a little bit about Jesus, God's son, and the atonement, the way that He. Can- Came, stepped out of heaven, lived a perfect life, uh, died on the cross, was raised from the dead, and and uh, took on the sin of the world, and overcame death and sin. I want us to look at a, a, there's a passage in Romans 5 that kind of lays all this out and, and talks about the first man, Adam, and then the, uh, another man, uh, the other man, Jesus, and how, uh, how uh, these two men, everything kind of hinges on, on them. It kind of lays it out. So that will kind of be our, our foundation today as we think about and talk about sin and what we believe about it. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man... That's Adam. And death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man... How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man... How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made Righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death so also grace might reign through righteousness by, to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a little ping pong match going on here, right? You've got the, the, the one man who brought in sin and death and then the other man who brought in righteousness and grace and forgiveness. You've got Adam and you've got Jesus and it all kind of, let's try to make some sense of all that. Back in Genesis, God gave Adam some instructions. He said, take care of the garden, He said, name the animals. Uh, He said, be fruitful and multiply. He said, eat anything except the fruit from this one tree. So one negative uh, instruction, all the rest, go do all this stuff. And it sounds easy enough, right? I don't know whether it took days or weeks or months or years I don't know how long it took Adam and Eve uh, to uh, living in that uh, bliss in paradise and in perfect fellowship with God, uh, but but soon Satan, the serpent, tempted Eve. Adam didn't stop it, and Adam and Eve disobeyed the only negative instruction that God had given them. They ate the forbidden fruit. They sinned, and immediately they were ashamed, and they hid. And in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, we have some of the most touching, uh, uh, one of the most touching passages, I think, in Scripture. It says, then the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? There's, there's this sense that this is what they did every afternoon This is they gathered in the, in the, in the evening In the cool of the day and, uh, and, and God showed up And they weren't there And he said where are He knew where they were right I mean it's, it's almost forlorn I, I mean can, can an almighty God have his heart broken I think so the the man that the, you know God is is thinking the man that I created from the dust of the ground the woman that I crafted uh, from his rib uh, the the creatures that I breathed life into and I stamp my image upon where are you it's it's the question that sin places on the heart of God. We were created for fellowship with God and sin breaks that fellowship. It began with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and it has affected every generation from that day until now. That first sin had huge consequences. A man by the name of Nikki Gumbel puts it this way. Uh, the man blamed the woman. The woman blamed the serpent. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Okay, we'll move on from that. You're welcome. Uh, Whoever blamed who? I, the, the result of sin Was spiritual and physical death Right uh, and, and alienation from God A break in that relationship uh, And that alienation from God Has been passed down To every generation since We're, we're born into sin In theological circles It's called original sin uh, it, It's one of the two kinds of sin That the Bible talks about We'll get to the other In just a second But original sin has It's been called the sin nature uh, The old man uh, The flesh It's that part Inside of us, that is drawn toward choosing against God. It's selfish and it's stubborn and it wants its own way, and we're born with it. If you don't believe me, go check out the preschool class somewhere. I, I may, maybe you've seen this list before. Um, I, I've been kicking around for years. Uh, toddler property laws. Let's look at those. Uh, the first one if I like it, it's mine. Number two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I, had a little while, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks just like mine, it's mine. Uh, If I saw it first, it's mine. If you are playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. Number 10, if it's broken, it's yours, right? We're born with that sin nature, that selfishness. Mark Twain once said, there is a great deal of human nature in people. Master theologian there, right? As our passage in Romans says, because of Adam, we are born with this tendency towards sin. It's, it's this thing that's there, and we're not necessarily held responsible for it. God doesn't ca- condemn us for original sin. When, when young children die before understanding uh, the moral re- responsibility for their action, God grants them grace in heaven. Same, same for the, the mentally challenged. God, God only holds us responsible for the sins we commit, we, we intentionally commit, willfully commit. And uh, when we realize the difference between right and wrong and we choose wrong. Now, we've, we've already got a strike against us because we're, we're, we're drawn toward that. Uh, but then when we make that, that uh, step in that direction, then that's called personal sin. The other kind of sin that the scripture talks about. Original sin that we're born with is bent toward sin. And then the actual sins that we commit. Uh, John Wesley defined that personal sin as a willful transgression of a known law of God. In other words, acts of sin uh, that, that we are held responsible for are the things that we knowingly choose to do. Uh, Wesley notes uh, that even, quote, the holiest of people is ever in need of the atonement. And ever in need of what Christ has done for us. Uh, yet, yet, uh, making mistakes. Certainly, we're not we're not uh, perfect. We're this this world is influenced by sin, and and even in even our mistakes have consequences. But the sinful actions uh, that we are, are those that, that we willfully commit against God. That is our personal sin. The word most commonly used for sin in uh, in the Bible, both the Old and New Testament, has the meaning of failing or missing the mark. We talked today uh, beforehand, there's a place over in Medina, I guess it's still there, I think it just sprouted up a, a few months ago, the axe throwing thing. Uh, there's a you'll all go there now for after lunch, right? Uh, just uh, just for a little Sunday afternoon fun. Uh, I think, and we talked about oh, should have should have gone there and made a little film uh, to uh, to demonstrate because I'm pretty sure if I went there, I would be missing the mark uh, on a on a continual basis. I mean, it it brings up uh, memories of uh, of uh, summer camp for me and taking archery, where in fact I missed the mark many. Many times uh, we might get the idea that, that sin uh, happens when we're we're, we're man we're just doing our best to obey God But somehow we just can't seem to hit the target That's not quite the picture here We need to realize that because of original sin We're not even trying to do good and failing We're shooting at the wrong target uh, it, It's not that we want to be holy We want our own way and then we step into that and we, we try to get our own way And that original sin that we're born with leads to those personal acts of sin that we commit. And it's those sinful acts that separate us from God. Someone once said that sin brings pleasure for a while and then it sends us a bill. I heard one of our uh, Nazarene general superintendents once preaching uh, a sermon, and I don't think this quote, I've heard it many other places, I don't think that it's original to him, but that's where I first heard it. Uh, uh, Dr. Paul Cunningham said, Sin will take you further than you ever planned to go, keep you there longer than you ever planned to stay, and do more damage than you ever planned to do. A major problem in our Christian lives today is not calling sin, sin. Sin. Right, uh, again, a theologian in in our denomination, Doctor Frank Moore, said that that sin subtly builds calluses. Right, and the more we do it, the less we really think it's all that bad. Uh, Billy Sunday once preached, "One reason sin flourishes is that it is treated like a cream puff instead of a rattlesnake." Oswald Chambers weighed in on this too. He said, "The penalty of sin is that gradually you get used to it and do not know that it is sin." But sin is a big deal. It separates you from your fundamental purpose, fellowship with God. And Romans three twenty three says, "All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." Romans six twenty three says, "The wages of sin is death." We deserve death because of our sin. It's like wages in a job. We've that's what we've earned. All of us have sinned. So turn to the person next to you and say, "You're a sinner." No, uh, and, and then, but follow it up with, yes. Yeah, so am I, right? No, so, so we're all, we have all sinned. We are all born with this leaning towards sinning and then we do it. We, we can't excuse it. We, we, we can't ignore it. We need to see sin for what it is and then recognize how it breaks the heart of God. Where are you? Sin has, has consequences and they're, they're not pretty. For Adam and Eve it meant thorns and thistles and sweat and pain and ultimately death. Sin is no picnic. It separates us from God now and for eternity. If we're, if we're re- drilling down on what we believe, we have to realize that sin is real and it has eternal consequences. So we said we started at the beginning with the first man, but, but really there is a place we can go further back even more basic than sinful humanity, even before there was a man who sinned, there was a God who loved. This, this I believe. There is a, there's a solution to the sin problem. That solution is in one man, Jesus Christ. God's Son. Our, our text today says that just as this one man, Adam, introduced the world to sin, another man, Jesus, has provided freedom from it. The penalty for sin, the wages of sin, the natural end of sin is death, but Jesus has already paid off our debt with his own life. And so now we can have freedom from sin even when we miss the mark. So if you're, if you're, uh, On the one hand, you're here today and you're saying, ah, sin's not that big a deal. No, it is a huge deal and we've got to deal with it. The wages of sin is death. If on the other hand, you're here today and you're going, oh, there's nothing I can do about my sin, it's dragging me. No, there is, it's already been provided. It's been provided in Jesus. God sent Jesus his son to pay that penalty for our sin. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He took on himself the sins of the world and then he rose from the dead overcoming death and sin once and for all. It's the the essence of the good news of the gospel. We can have a restored relationship with God here and now. Right now we can have a restored relationship with God and we have the promise of heaven because of Jesus. Our look at sin started with the image of a loving God who wanted to connect with his creation. And that, that hasn't changed. Down through history, over and over and over again, God has expressed his love and his desire to connect with us. And he sent Jesus to make that reconnection possible. Again, in, in our passage, verse 19, Romans 5, Just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners... So also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. What do we believe? We believe that we're sinful, but God loves us. Maybe we need to tell that to the person next to us. God loves you. Go ahead, tell him God loves you. And then follow it up with, yeah, he loves me too. Believe it or not, he loves me too, right? Uh, God loves us. From, from the day we were created, God has loved us. Maybe Maybe you've been hiding, ashamed of the way you've missed the mark. God is always looking, He's pursuing you. He wants that relationship. He wants to know you. He wants you to know that you are known by Him. He is looking for you and He's saying, Where are you? We can we can do I've provided for a way. I love the way first John spells this out so plainly. So uh, in, in Scripture there's a John, which is uh, the fourth book in the New Testament and the Gospel, and it tells the story of Jesus. But then the, the, the guy who wrote that also wrote some letters uh, toward the end of his life, and they're toward the end of the Bible, first, second and third, John. And in First John, chapter one, verse eight through chapter two, verse two, he kind of spells all this out pretty plainly. He says, "If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, John says, but for the sins of the whole world. Sin. I believe, I believe in sin. What do we believe? This I believe. <laughs> I believe in sin. I also believe in a God who loves and who has provided a way for our forgiveness so what do we do about our sin? We, we can't overcome it on our own, uh, but, but God has already overcome it in Jesus. So the steps are simple and yet hard, right? So it's okay, it, it's, it's possible to have something that's simple. We can spell it out pretty plainly, but it's, it's not all that easy to walk through. But it's simple. Own it, first of all. We see in, in 1 John, we need to own it. Don't claim to be without sin. Uh, you, we we, are, we are, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you claim to be without sin, you're a liar. Uh, it, it says we've all sinned. We've got to own it, first of all. We can't ignore it. We've got to own it. Own it that you have sinned. And the next step right along with that is that we need to confess it, right? Admit your missing of the mark to God. I mean, he already knows it anyway. He's just waiting for you to acknowledge it, right? Uh, confess- and confession is more than just sorry I messed up or sorry I got caught, sorry that this happened. Confession or uh, repentance is all about a deep sorrow for sin and a deep desire to never do it again. We have to get to that point to see sin like God does and to, uh, to, to be so sorry that we never want to do it again. I, I, it was a cartoon in a in a. Uh, Preacher's Magazine a long time ago, uh, there were two couples seated in the living room and they were talking and they were, kind of had a Bible study going together and, and one of the women's, uh, w- women in the in the cartoon was speaking and she said, well, I haven't actually died to sin, but I did feel kind of faint once, she said. Uh, we've got to feel more than just a little faint about our sin. Uh, we, we We've got to realize... That, that we are so sorry about it, that it has broken the heart of God, it has broken our, our close relationship with God, that he is seeking us out. We've missed the mark, and we're so sorry for that, so we own it, and we confess it. We don't have to wallow in that and, uh, and, and deal with that the rest of our days, though, because when we confess it, God has promised forgiveness, and so these last two have to do with receiving what God has promised And then living in that. Receive the grace and forgiveness of God. It's a promise. If we confess our sins, uh, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. When we own it, when we recognize what it has done to that relationship with God, when we own that and we confess it to him, we repent, uh, he will forgive us and he will wash us clean. It says... Um, purify us from all unrighteousness and that's where living it comes yes it's possible for God to make you righteous we, we live out that righteousness uh, he expects us to turn from our sin and to live for him uh, not just to keep on going back to that sinful way of life Jesus Jesus didn't go through the crucifixion and resurrection just so we could keep on sinning John says, it is my desire as I write to you that you will not sin. If you do, not when you do, if you do, if, it went, if, if we've taken care of this, we confess, Jesus has, we have something to fall back on if we do, but our goal is that we won't. Jesus has taken care of this. We've gotta own it, we've gotta confess it, we've gotta receive God's grace and then live out Live out that grace and that forgiveness. Have that be the foundation and the root. So when we say, I believe in sin, we have to always follow it up with, I also believe in the life and the forgiveness of God, the grace that is extended to us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ has died for us, and that has made all the difference.